Consumers are fickle both ways, I guess. So let me make the optimistic argument because I think you've convinced me, by the way. This is why we have these conversations. And you're seeing it in real time here, folks. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Hey, business owners, I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like you're missing the data you need to make strong business decisions? If so, it's probably time to build a CEO dashboard. It's an easy way to get everyone in your company literally on the same page, focusing on the numbers that matter. So the Scalable Company put together a free spreadsheet template that will give you everything you need to deploy your own dashboard. And to make it even easier, Ryan Dice recorded a short training on how to use it. If you want to get your hands on the template, go to businesslunchpodcast.com slash dashboard. That's businesslunchpodcast.com slash dashboard, and you can download it for free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch with your hosts, Ryan Dice and Roland Frazier. Ryan, what's happening? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our entire economy is collapsing. The stock market is in free fall. All crypto is uh, basically worthless. And yes. God help you if you bought NFTs. And well, so, yeah. and in response, I've started my own NFT. I am in an area of Montana that will be seceding from the United States soon. And we're stabilized. That usually with, goes well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're stabilized with TerraCoin, which is tied to a currency. So it can't possibly collapse. So I've, I've invested everything. I think. Thursday, last Thursday, I invested everything in TerraCoin. What do you think? I continue to move all of my liquid wealth into Dale Earnhardt collector plates is sort of what oh, like, I'm doubling down on. Dude, yeah. I missed that. Um, you, But see, you did it. Yeah. And I'm thinking Beanie Babies are going to make a strong comeback. They've, they've been what? down. I think they're coming back. Like, no, in, okay, so for real. Um, I think it's safe to say that if we're not already in a recession, uh, we likely will be in a quarter or two. Right. It seems like all of the money printing, it seems like, and it's a combination of a lot of things, right? I mean, we've had a heck of a run. One could argue we were just due for, you know, for one, but I mean, you Definitely know, due for we a came correction. out of the, yeah, correct. Like it was a bit much, but between just the massive infusion of money that got put, which had a lot of people just deciding I don't have to work anymore. At the mm -hmm. same time that you have inflation occurring again, because largely because of this massive infusion of capital and all of humanity waking up and finally realizing oh, I can spend money again, I can travel, I can uh -huh. do all this post quarantine. And then you get a war in a significant energy producing part of the world that drives up prices and a virus that just will not die. Yes, a, a virus that quite literally will not die. It just seemed like we we're kind of primed for this sort of thing. So, I mean, I just think it's worth having a conversation about. Uh, what does this mean? What does it mean for for entrepreneurs who are trying to scale their businesses? What does it mean for entrepreneurial investors who maybe are looking to capitalize on on perhaps a downturn? Uh, there's a lot of ways to look at this. And so I just I want first of all, I just love to get your perspective on what do you think is happening right now? And what are you feeling as kind of the entrepreneurial investor of the crew? right? What's going through your mind right now? Do you even agree with me when I say, I think we're going into recession? I, I don't know. I, I think it's possible. I see lots of the pundits are saying that, uh, that we are headed there. I, I wouldn't say we're there yet, but, but I guess it depends on your definition. I, I think the the biggest thing is, is that everything. Well, I think the literal definition of recession is what two quarters of GDP of no GDP yeah, growth but, or something like that. Yeah. But 
you have a lot of artificiality to this one. So, I mean, I guess the reality is the reality, but as soon as China reopens and people make things again, that's going to make a big, you know, it, it's, it's like, it would it have happened if we didn't have these things going on? So am I concerned about the fundamentals of the ability of there to be a continuing bull market? You know, no. I'm not concerned about that. I'm a strong believer in the economies and I think things are going to be fine. Inflation is slowing. It went from 8.5%, I think, to 8.3% month over month. Uh, and it looks like that that is, is correcting. The overstimulation of the economy in the United States that the Fed did through all of the things that they did and the Congress did through all of the excess stimulus, perhaps, they overreacted, which is great. They were trying to take care of people, right? They're like, we don't want people to be starving because they can't work because their work shut down and we're going to give money to all these businesses and everything. So I just think everything was kind of crazy overvalued in the markets anyway. So it's like getting back to normal. If everything resets to 2019 and we call that a recession, okay. But we were doing pretty daggone good in 2019. So I'm very bullish on the future of the economy, even though, you know, needed to get a reval pretty badly because you heard frothy so many times, you know, and we had friends that sold for billions of dollars. We're looking at those deals going, how, and why can't we do that? But, um, well, that, even these guys who are on the other side of those deals are like, we ain't worth that. <laughs> did did yeah, the SoftBank guy, it was like, perhaps we made a few yeah. mistakes. They're down 26 billion or something like, he's like, perhaps we were a bit overzealous. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They're still up. Like they're still up, like they lost 26 yeah. billion compared to what? Well, in market value from where they were today. But what about from the investments they made? They're still up. They're still positive, right? Overall. So that's kind of interesting too. You never get that full story from the press because they're always hammering the one thing that's the soundbite that's going to get the most people to, to get clickbaited in. But the truth is, is that things are still pretty good. And so my belief in business is that it's only going to get better because you've got all the people that have to go back to work, which means the labor shortage should start to decline. I just read an article this morning saying unretirement was on trend. You know, it's like all these people that were 30 that retired, like, you know what? I, turns I like out food. my Bitcoin portfolio won't support me for the next 50 years. So, right. How about you? What, what's, your, what's your take on it? Well, I'm maybe may a little more pessimistic. Uh, than than you are. I, I still am a believer in the long term economy, and, and mm -hmm. I think it's important to distinguish. Like the stock market is not the economy, right? No. The stock market is, I would argue, a bit of a leading indicator in terms of mm -hmm. where things are going. It's a big part of it, but but I believe that there's there's the economy that is, you know, all the different public companies. But I know for me personally, my economy is my business, right? So I think we need to look about at this in the news when you talk about the economy and the stock market. You're really thinking about it from the perspective of the individual retail investor, which I get. Yep. That is the vast majority of people. Somebody's got a 401k. Yep. They're invested in some mutual funds. That's going to invest, you know, impact the majority. So let's take it from the perspective of what does this mean for the individual business owner? And then let's maybe talk about what it means for people like us who invest in, who acquire, who like to do deals for small businesses. Because I think for the individual business owner, depending on your current, depending on where, where you are and how your, how your finances are, I think that there could be a, a slowdown if you're in consumer. Because 
and and that will trickle in into B2B. And the reason is, is what we're seeing is a massive spike in consumer debt, right? We are seeing a massive spike in the amount of consumer debt. I think it's largely from a lot of folks who they, they increase their lifestyle, a big, huge lifestyle creep during the pandemic. When we went an entire year not spending any money, you saw savings skyrocket. And then in that time, the government's sending out free money. People couldn't spend it as much as they wanted to. Then stuff opened up and they spend it like crazy. So you see luxury goods and everything just go through the roof. That's what people are spending their stimmies on NFTs and Bitcoin. And they got used to a certain lifestyle that when things started to slow down, if nothing else, the stimulus checks stopped getting sent out. They didn't want to lose their lifestyle. And, and I found most people have a really, really difficult time retrenching. People have a really difficult time paring back their lifestyle. And so what everybody does for a few months or for a couple of years is they put it on credit cards. And I think yep. that's what we're starting to see is people are putting more money on credit cards to support a lifestyle that existed when one, they were getting free money from the government and two, stuff was just less expensive because we weren't in such an inflationary environment. That increase in consumer debt combined with a reduction of assets on a lot of these banks' balance sheets, because look, these banks are holding stocks and companies. They're holding all this stuff that just went down in value. So now you got banks out there saying, whoa, we're watching the amount of money that we got outstanding up there. We don't have as much in terms of our assets to, to balance this stuff. We're going to have to start cutting consumer debt. And I just mm -hmm. remember when that happened in 2008, 2009, you know, if you had a $15,000 credit limit, they were, and, and you, let's say you had 12,000 on it, they just went in and said, well, now your limit's 12,000, you can't spend anymore. And they did it to individuals and consumers, which impacted their spending. And when consumer spending slows down, which that is the economy, our economy now is consumer spending. When consumer spending slows down, now that's going to impact B2B. That's going to businesses, and, and that's where you have the, the trickle down that, that affects everything. It affects real estate. So now people can't sell their houses for as much. And that's when you really start to see, because just people aren't spending. That, I think, there's a better than 50% chance uh, that that happens right now. Again, based on my non-macroeconomic skills. It just feels, smells a little 2008, 2009. I think the big difference now between the great recession of 2007 through 2009 and this one is that there isn't a multi-derivative based phantom economy that existed with subprime notes to go away and there really is a supply challenge that's causing inflation and that as that eases over the next couple of years it's still a, a ways you know, and I guess, again, it depends, but as a small, medium-sized business owner, I have not seen a change in demand across any of the businesses that we're in. And if I look at them and I look at e-learning, I think that's going to continue to be a great and growing space. And I think in real estate, there's going to continue to be 5 million or so too few houses for people until we can get the others built, which we can't right now because there's not the labor or the materials to do it at the level that it needs to be done. And you're talking at least a six to 12 month lead time if you had all of that stuff available to build a house, assuming everybody showed up on the site ready to go. And so people will still have these assets that they bought maybe a bit overvalued. They're not going to take a giant hit on them. They can still sell them and get cash back or pay off their consumer debt. Banks are absolutely 
I was trying to think of a good name, not say a bad word. Didn't uh, it rhyme they are with evil? No, no, they're but <laughs> they're they are faithless to mm. each other and to what makes sense fiscally. So if one cuts consumer debt and your credit line goes from ten thousand to five thousand, there's going to be seven more startups that are there that are going to lend you that are going to be you know hey you lost this much on your Citibank but come to Dodge Credit and or Doge Credit and you can get you can get this I I just don't I think there's there's not an artificial inflation like there was in two thousand seven eight nine you had derivatives on derivatives on derivatives with nothing underlying them and basically guaranteed non-performance. That doesn't exist now. What exists now is a bunch of people that thought that they could be crypto investors and stock investors. And it turns out that that's not like a very easy way to make a living consistently. And it gets revowed from time to time. And you've got a bunch of supply challenges in the supply chain that are causing everything to be more expensive because there's people that have money that are willing to pay for it and there's not enough of it. And so, and all of the companies have adopted this drop philosophy of you can't just buy our stuff anymore. It's hilarious to me to go to the mall and there's uh, rope and stanchions blocking off the stores because you have to make an appointment to go in. Really, really, you know, it's like you guys make a hundred thousand watches a week and I can't go in and buy a watch. You know, they're all out there still. It's just, there's, I don't think there's like that fundamental lack of something real that these are actually real things that are causing this. Will that actually affect people for a while? Yeah. I don't know. To the, to be a, a significant dip like it was in 2008 and nine, I'd be surprised, but that'll be interesting to see. Consumers are fickle both ways, I guess. So let me make the optimistic argument because I think you've convinced me, by the way. This is why we have these conversations. And you're seeing it in real time here, folks, because I agree with you, by the way, on the fundamentals, right? Uh, I, I, what happened, this, this big drawdown that we've seen in the stock markets and everything else, if, to your point, it basically is just returning to pre-pandemic levels, right? What happened yeah. during the pandemic? Well, everything got shook up, but also there was like, I don't know, a few trillion dollars just injected into the economy that had nowhere to go. And so it found its way into the equity markets. And so yeah. if you think about it, it's like having a balloon and the balloon was blown up, but nobody tied it off. And then somebody let go of the balloon and all the air came out, right? Yeah. But it didn't reduce the amount of air. It just went from being in the balloon to being in other places, right? So, right. so those companies, like, like a good company is a good company still. It's not that it, yeah. it just had like Apple's going to still make great products and have people buy them. And so are all of the other, you know, product -y companies that are, that are there. And social media, I think is going to continue to be something that appeals to people. And so like all the Fang companies that, although I don't know what they did with M now with Meta, I guess it's Mang, all the Mang companies <laughs> now from, you know, Meta and Microsoft and Apple and all those guys, they, they're still there, right? So that like they, there wasn't an evaporating thing and there's still going to be demand for them, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so I'll tell you about that. I think the question is, is the downturn perceived or otherwise, does it cause consumers to freak out and to, and to hold on? Does it cause businesses to slow their spending, right? Like in all these things, if that happens and if it persists for a while, then you do have a reduction in consumer spending and that just will impact the economy, right? Yeah. Now, I think the nice thing is to make kind of the positive thing is nobody likes to remain in that state for very long. And so as long as there's nothing fundamental happening, Consumers have a way of snapping back. I remember, you know, 2009 when it snapped back and it was like, oh, everything's fine now. Cool. 
boom. And it just, you know, it took a while for all of the gunk to work its way through the system, but almost yeah. the second that it did, it did. So I know for me, like what, what I'm thinking here, what I'm telling our clients, friends, things like that is like it. If you're in, like as a consumer, as an individual, if you're invested, now's probably not a great time to jump out of the market. Exactly. You know, it, now is not a good time. You don't want to jump off that that roller coaster. Like you're just it's it's going down. That's fine. Yeah, as you don't lose it, you sell it. Though, <laughs> right. As a business owner, so let's talk about let, let's let's assume that there's going to be some weirdness, right? Maybe it goes sideways and it's choppy. Maybe it dips. I think we can all agree that it's not going to just be this roaring bear market. Holy crap. Everybody's spend like crazy, buying like crazy, companies selling for insane multiples. That, that's probably not going to come back for a while, probably yep. for the rest of this year, well into next year, right? While this stuff works, it's out. It doesn't mean that businesses, right. It doesn't mean that businesses won't still be profitable, right. but knowing that we're entering a different market, what do you do as a business owner? I think a couple of things are number one, I know here internally where we're getting less and less people who are frankly leaving and, and leaving jobs and more and more people saying, hey, are we going to be okay? Nobody really right. asked that before, right? right? It's like, yeah, nothing's actually changed in our business. Like we're fine. But I think from an employment perspective, in much the same way that I think we're starting to see with interest rates going up, you know, you're starting to see real estate inventories increase. It's been a seller's market forever. It still is a seller's market, but it's not quite as much of a seller's market as it was. I think it's still an employee's market, right? They can still, you know, move around and have pick of the litter. Speaking of seller's market, I think we should take a break so that some sponsor could sell some market stuff to our listeners and watchers. What do you think about that? That's a great idea. All right. So we're going to take a quick idea. break and then we're going to come back and we'll let Ryan finish the sentence. Ryan here. And look, if you're an entrepreneur, you're busy, right? Whether it's replying to emails or scheduling meetings, whatever, there's a lot of work and a lot of hats that we need to wear as entrepreneurs. And that's why as entrepreneurs, especially if you're a visionary founder, you need help, right? And, and I don't know about you, but at one point for me, I was getting so overwhelmed with all the little day-to-day -day tasks that, let's face it, they got to get done, but they don't necessarily need to get done by you. And so when I came to this realization, I said, I got to get help. I need to get a virtual assistant. I got to get a social media manager. And that's when I called my friends at Belay Solutions. Belay Solutions are an incredible uh, organization. Now, look, I don't know about you, but I tried to work with VAs in the past. It was always a disaster. And so I was really, really suspicious of being able to, to make it work. But their process was fantastic. They found out the type of work that I need done, the type of people I like to work with. And they really did match me with a person perfect virtual executive assistant. Uh, and this person's been with me now for three years and counting. So obviously uh, it worked for me and I think it's going to work for you. So here's what you need to do. All right. Uh, the good folks at Belay, they're actually giving listeners to this podcast $300 off the startup cost for their virtual assistant. So you'll pay less than I did. Here's what you need to do. Text lunch. All right. Text lunch, L-U-N-C-H to 55123. Again, that's text lunch to 55123 to talk to Belay about getting a virtual assistant uh, of your own. You need it. You know you do, and they can make it happen. So now I was on the edge of my seat. Finish what you were saying. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing right now as an employer, as a small business owner, hopefully this gives you a little bit of a breather uh, from this musical chairs 
of all all the people, the great resignation. Hopefully it's a slowdown in the great resignation, right? That's kind of the first thing. The second thing that we see happen when things do start to slow down is it reduces the noise. We've always grown and done really well in recessions because mm-hmm. I don't care how great you are at sales and marketing, it's just really hard to market and to build brands and to capture market share when there's so much freaking noise out there. When mm-hmm. everybody's running a gun and when there's new people popping up every other week, And just these slowdowns provide an opportunity where your competition gets freaked out and they, they go, oh, we should, we should pause. We should hold, hold, hold back. Like, let's not that spin. Let's ratchet it down. That campaign we're looking to do, let's wait until things quote unquote get better. And we did this. This is the opportunity to go nuts. We had, we had this conversation at the beginning of the pandemic, right? It was like, what Mm -hmm. do all of the studies show recession after recession, who company wise succeeds the best in recession. Everybody cuts out marketing. The few people that double down on marketing are always going to do better because they capture all the market share and the share of voice that goes away from the people who are too timid to spend. And the people who were too timid to spend very often find themselves returning to normal with significantly less market share if they're able to return at all. And the people that doubled down on marketing and, and ad spend are the people that come out far ahead of where they were before. It's, it's so funny to watch. And, and the people that lose the most money are the people that buy when everybody's buying and sell when everybody's selling. So just don't do that and you'll do better, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think now is the time to, to really look and accelerate and see this as an opportunity. The other thing that we see happening in recession is the middle of the market goes away, meaning from a price point perspective. So the middle of your product line, that's what people stop buying. So what we've seen, and I I remember, I remember this going back to 2008, 2009, you see people buying a lot of littles. So your consumers want to graze because they want to make a lot of little bets because they're a little bit nervous. And so they'll buy a lot of small products. They'll consume a lot of small content. They binge, right? They're in potato chip mode, little nibbles here and there, grazing, grazing, grazing. So you want to be a place where people can graze from a content perspective, from a product perspective, put out a lot of stuff that is on the lower. And so like, whether it's books, like, but introduce some things, don't, don't drop your prices, right? But you can introduce some opportunities for people to binge on what you're doing, but then ascend them very quickly to the top, top end. Because once somebody finds, or, or just start at the top, or you, you start at the top for the people that are there, but what you lose is the middle because people basically want to, they want to do two things. They want to graze or they want to go all in on one all place. In. Right. And, and so that all in attitude of like, cause people feel like I need to make a decision. I need to make it now. It needs to be big because there's a sense of urgency, but they want to make one choice and go all in. So yep. you got to have that all in place. This is the time when we're not just going to walk people up this gentle ladder. Right. And it's like, oh, you buy this little thing. Then the slightly bigger thing. Then the slightly, no, that goes away in this time. It is, here's, if you want everything that you want right now on a silver platter and you know it's the thing you need and you know you need to make a decision right here now because things are a little weird out there, then just buy this big old honker. And this applies to everything, right? I don't care if you're in the services business, product business, people want to make a single decision that makes all their problems go away. Right. That is what they want right now. Give me one decision that makes all the problems go away because I got decision fatigue. I'm worried about stuff. I'm feeling a little bit scarcity minded. I'm feeling a little bit scared. So 
here you go. One-stop shop. Be that, be that place for your customers. I think that's the biggest opportunity right now. Uh, you can really capture market share as the noise goes down, but don't capture market share by believing that nobody's going to spend money in this time. They will. They're going to spend as much or more. They'll just spend it in less places. Okay. So three tips, action step-wise, that you would suggest for people right now, and then I'll, I'll give my three. What should they do right now? With all the talk that we've had now, somebody's yep. listening to this going, I really like what they said. Those guys are so freaking smart because that's what everybody says. Why wouldn't they? No, but I'm lost. I don't really know. How do I turn that into something I can use? What, what would you tell them? Yeah. So step one, accelerate your, your spend. Now is the time. Recessions are the time to capture market share. Take advantage of the lack of noise. Take advantage of, of your competitor's hesitation and, and accelerate spend. You can probably do it. Uh, for less, but even if it costs you the same or more, it's going to yield a return on that investment. Number two, I would say go out with your higher ticket things first, like lead with the big ticket. And if they're not going to do that, go ultra low, go ultra inexpensive, let people graze or just provide a lot of littles. But then when they're ready, go straight to the top because people want to graze and they want to go all in when, when we're in these times. And then the third thing I would say is just watch your debt. Because one thing that we do see if the recession persists or things start to flatline, you do see banks going in and, and cutting debt. So make sure that you're not over, over leveraged to the point where if they call a note or something like that, that it's going to put you out of business. That's the thing that kills businesses in these times. So ask yourself, my bank calls and they hit me up and they call some note or they cut my credit down to nothing. Am I out of business? If the answer is yes, then look to secure, I would say just as a backstop, look to secure some additional capital, look to kind of shore up your balance sheet, do something to make sure that a single email or a single certified letter from, from your bank isn't going to put you out of business. Those, those, those would be my three things. Kind of finished Love on it. a down one, but I think that's, how you, that's, that's your backstop. And you'll be better Love for it. it if it doesn't happen. I like it. What about you? Okay. So I would say if you have a business that is enjoying a very high valuation that you are thinking about exiting, this is a great time to do it because multiples have actually increased. The competition is still very fierce among private equity for, for trying to buy because the supply of good businesses is not there. So if you have a business that is doing well and is likely to continue to do that, I still think you're probably going to end up with a higher valuation now than you would otherwise. Same thing with real estate. If you're, if you're like, man, my house has gone up and it's twice what it was then, and you're comfortable finding an alternative place. So you're not going to just go in and buy at the same high price that you sell at. This is a great time to harvest the wealth that exists right now in what is still an artificially high or, or at least an overvalued environment, both real estate and all collectibles and businesses, right? So I, I think that's the, if, if you are a business owner, this is a good time to do that. If you are a investor, it's a good time to cash out of high things. On the other side of that, I would say, do not sell if you're in a depressed asset class or investment. If your investment has gone down, remember you only lose when you sell. It's all paper until you sell. So why rush to sell something because it's down if you can afford to hang on, right? If you overextend yourself and you got margin calls and things like that, then you know that that you're in a tough spot. But that that'd be the 
the first thing. The second thing I would say is that the media seems to me, and a, we could probably talk a whole session on this, to be changing. I think like the traditional ad channels have put so many rules in place that they've become increasingly difficult to survive in. They are still pricing based on the ROI on or the ROAS, the return on ad spend that people were able to get when they were laser targeting the markets for to be able to buy. And so many people now can't get a return that enables them to advertise on those traditional platforms. So I think it's a really great time to double down on acquiring or creating media. And so I'd say this is a, this is a really good time for you to think about how can I acquire people that have already aggregated the attention and eyeballs of my ideal customer? And how can I wean myself off of these really overpriced, not good ROI, or maybe even negative ROI investments in some of the media that you've become very accustomed to spending on? Because there's a lot of other alternative medias that are out there now that don't get enough attention, but provide great returns. Uh, so, and so that would be something I would say too. And, and we then, did, by the way, do a couple of episodes on those. Like we, I know we did an episode, you and I, where you talked about buying Facebook groups and, and email newsletters. We've done two episodes, I believe that I can remember on buying media properties. And, and so yeah. I think that's worth maybe linking up to in the show notes there. Yeah. I would make sure that y'all go back and listen to those if you didn't, if you didn't listen to it. And then the, the third thing would be to me, I would war chest up right now because I think that. What do you mean by that? The people Ooh. that have the ability to spend cash to acquire from the people who overextended themselves in business and in assets. So real estate, collectibles, jewelry, whatever you are interested in businesses, the people that have cash are going to get great deals over the next couple of years from the people who are panicking. And so we love the ability to get great deals. We feel sorry for people that are panicking, but if they're panicking and they're going to sell, then being in a position to do that makes sense. Knowing that it is very likely, and we've already seen a contraction of debt availability and expense of debt has gone up. I would get, if you can service it, I would get as much debt in place right now to be able to have the cash to invest. I would not spend my cash unless I get ridiculously good investments. And um, then you'll be able to pick up so many great deals over the next couple of years from people that, that want out. You'll be helping them because they want out and you'll be sad because you'll be like, are you sure you want to sell? And you know, I really need, you know, okay. So to me, those would be my three things. Yeah. And on the third one, I mean, look, it, it, to your point, if they're going to sell anyway, better to sell to you. And there's nothing saying that you got about a hundred percent of them. So if you feel that bad, 100% of the business, you feel that bad, maybe by 80%, let them participate in the 20. But also, look, sometimes people just need a, a reason to justify something they already wanted to do. A lot of people yep. look at these as opportunities to to get out and to sell businesses. I know there was this, this article in Trends, and there's been a bunch of them over you know, how baby boomers are exiting businesses left and right. There was this massive spike in 2020, immediately after the pandemic, that for a lot of these businesses, they weren't necessarily, plenty of them were impacted by it. But a lot of them, they were just like, this is as good a reason as any to, to bow out. But anytime something changes, it creates a reason and excuse for somebody to make a change. And, and so if, if this is the reason, whether they've justified it or not, and it's your opportunity, uh, that's great. Be thankful for that. 
Yeah, you are. That, that's what I was trying to say is that that's like you're actually serving them. So when we have a motivated seller, you want to be sure that they are happy with the deal. So like they might not be happy with the price that like they might want to get more. But it's like, you know, if this is the only way I want to do this deal is if you're going to be happy about it because you want to sell. Right. And and this is the price that is market. So if, if you're not, then I'm not I'm not your buyer. Right. On the first point that you made in terms of now still being a good time uh, to sell, it, it sounded at first like you were kind of saying two different things. So I, what I heard you say when, when I was clear on it is if you have a good business that is still profitable, like if you have a good business that's profitable, good fundamentals, you know, yeah. all those pieces are there, now you can still sell and the valuations are still there. They may even be a little bit higher. They're significantly higher. Yeah. Yeah, what we're seeing is maybe some of the aggregate, you know, valuations coming down because the stupid stuff is no longer getting valued up anymore. Like there was a whole tech. lot of dumb stuff that was getting valued yeah. up. Right. And, like and, tech. and yeah, mostly in tech, right? The crazy yeah. valuations were for the sexy, sexy things. All the boring businesses that we like to invest in and we like to own, you know, they're doing fine. They're actually up quite a bit. It went from 3.8, I think it was to 4.5. X across all industries in private acquisitions of companies under $10 million in sales and $2 million in profits. Dang, that's a big increase right now. So say that's if that again, well, it went from what to what? From 3.8 to 4.5 as a multiple on average across all industries. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a, like, yeah, that's a that? giant like 20, 15, 20%. That's a giant increase. Yeah. I don't know. There's no way to figure that yeah. out, but but <laughs> yeah, but there it really is. And and so, you know, Netflix is down 70 percent and Bitcoin's down and, you know, other things are going away and all that stuff. And people are focused on that because that's where the news likes to focus on. But boy, these boring businesses, you know, they're pretty cool. And so if you got one of those, it's a great time to think about selling and private equity is buying. They're open for business. They still have dry powder. They still have a lot of money to invest that's sitting on the sidelines, which is what dry powder is. So it's a, it's a good time to sell from that. It's not a good time to sell if you're Netflix and it's not a good time to sell your Netflix stock because they're, they're just saying, Hey, we can't grow like we have grown over the pandemic because everybody's not sitting at home anymore and we're kind of market saturation point. Right. So, you know, that's uh, just called what it's actually worth. And I would actually argue, you said that stocks were a leading indicator. I actually argue they're a lagging indicator because I think that the market is uninformed and illogical and about like what's actually going on. And so they're bidding everything up, but everybody that you know, that was an insider was like, man, things are so frothy, so frothy, so frothy for the past three, four years. And they were all thinking, I should probably get myself in a better position, maybe take some profits and enjoy what I've got. And the market just continued. Everything's going to be fine forever, you know, but it's not. Right. And the real estate people now, I had somebody came, come to our house the other day. It was like, we're buying a house right now. We've got to buy it because we need to get on, on the market before it goes to the moon. It's like, but it's cyclical. Just look at history, right? So I would argue that those public markets are actually lagging indicators of what's actually happening because they're continuing to live in the past. And the leading indicator is something that is different, probably some economic indicator that I don't know exists. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Just because I completely agree with you, Seth. I, I think the markets are a, a lagging indicator to what's real. 
Yes. Which is what we talk about here. Like we talk about yes. here with what's real. I think it's a leading indicator. And I probably didn't say this well enough. I think it's a leading indicator to consumer sentiment. Because I think yes. what you basically have is you have people who are running businesses and actually investing in real businesses going, this is getting a bit much. This is getting a bit crazy. People that we know who are selling going, I know for a fact we're not worth this. People who we know who are investing going, God dang, I know I'm overpaying. I know this is too frothy, but we got to place this money. And we know at right. some point, like these numbers are not going to keep lasting. Like, so that's real. That's what we yeah. talk about here. Then yeah. there's the stock market that lags that. Then yeah. all the consumers go, holy crap, everything is bad. And like around the time when they figure out or believe that everything is bad is actually when it's finally starting to get normal again. Yes. And so, yeah, yes. like those, that's the sequence of things. And, and so is. you come here, folks, to learn what's actually happening in real time in the that's real right. business world. That's right. Which I think is a good place for us to wind up today's business lunch. Anything else you want to say? Anything we should talk about before we head out today? Now, I would just tell you, if you're in business, just this is, this is our time, right? Entrepreneurs, this is our time right now. Like the rest of it has been weird times. Like this is, now it's about to be real. This is, this is when it's going to get exciting. This is when there's going to finally be some real opportunity, both on the growth side, if you're running a business and you, you know what you're doing and you're not going to panic. There's also opportunities on the investing side. So wherever you are, there, there's going to be opportunity now, I think, bigger than what we've seen before. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you guys all for tuning in. We really appreciate you. And definitely also check out if you are interested in growing your company and being able to remove yourself from it. We talk about working above the business as opposed to in it or on it. Uh, you can learn more about that at scalable.co. And Ryan's got some really cool things that he has done over there. At digitalmarketer.com, we've got a really new thing that, that you created, Ryan, called the, is it the head of marketing bootcamp or something like that? Yeah, head of, head of marketing bootcamp. Yeah, so if you got a marketing leader uh, that you want them trained up, uh, you got somebody in your company you want to ascend, yeah, check out the head of marketing bootcamp and catch that at digitalmarketer.com. Awesome. And then if you're interested in acquiring businesses, which you should be, or traffic assets or media like we talked about today, you can go and take our five-day challenge at getepicchallenge.com and learn how to do this stuff yourself. Thanks again for being here, and we will see you next time. What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.